T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. No, this number of tanks, 12, 14, 20 tanks, are not enough to turn the tide. And I think your point is very, very important. It's more than just the tanks that has to be provided. Longer range artillery, we've provided the HIMAR artillery, which can fire 100 miles. We need the attackums, as they're called, artillery that have longer range, more powerful impact. What about we planes? We provide them with more drones. What about planes? Planes, absolutely. Drones, planes, yes. Senator Blumenthal, I mean, because planes, I think, is a red line for a, a, a lot of folks. We want to bring in Professor Matthew Smith from the University of New Haven. Were you able to listen to that, Professor? I was. Hi, he, Senator. <laughs> yeah, he's not here anymore, but he was on a few oh, okay. minutes ago. Uh, do you agree, disagree, your thoughts? I do, dis- uh, I do agree with uh, what the Senator is saying about Ukraine, uh, you know, needing planes, uh, needing attackums. Uh, and, and longer uh, multiple launch rocket systems, I am a little bit more optimistic um, about this, right? So we're only sending, I think it's actually about 30 tanks, 31 tanks from the U.S. Uh, you know, you have uh, you have now more coming from Germany, the Brits, et cetera, et cetera. By my count, you have somewhere, uh, somewhere between like 170 and 200 advanced tanks going over. And that's not enough if you think about it as, as tank-on-tank warfare. But that's not what it's going to be. Because the, are these tanks being sent to them are better than the Russian tanks? Yeah, so you, you have to think about it, something like, you know, if you have a, a, a well-operated M1A Abrams tank, one tank can, can engage, say, say five um, T-72s on the Russian side simultaneously. But what you have, what nobody's talking about, is you've got hundreds of armored vehicles that are coming in, up-armored Humvees, uh, you know, you've got uh, armored uh, personnel carriers, and you've got U.S. And, and European ones already in theater. And you don't need a tank to kill a tank. So you're mounting tank-killing systems on these other vehicles. And what's going to happen is those main battle tanks, those Abrams and Leopards, are going to come in, and they're going to screen. They're going to they're attack and disrupt Russian tanks so that those tanks can't tank out the 300 armored vehicles that are coming in behind and the, and the, and the, you know, the Ukrainian Russian style tanks. And then those things are going to come in and flood the battlefield and overwhelm the Russians. You know, but, so 200 is not enough, right. but it, it, it may, it may provide um, a pretty good offense. I have a bunch of questions on the heels of that because I had read, you know, months ago that this is the war that ends the relevance of the tank. That's not been true. Uh, you know, people in my field have been arguing that, for years, and, and in fact, what you've seen is that the, the tank is still necessary, but it's not going to operate like we think it operated in World War II. It's going to be a platform. It comes in, it's a sensor platform, too. They're coming in, and they've got ground radar. They're, trying to, they're helping identify, uh, you know, using EW stuff, where Russian troops are, right? They're screening for other vehicles. They're screening for infantry. Um, it's far more of that than it is tank-on-tank battle. Okay, so my other question, which makes me a little less optimistic, is that each country has a complex operational system to their tanks. There's maintenance. 
So they're between training and maintenance and replacement to keep it in the field or the theater, if, as you as you reference it, it's it's not a linear process. And so I'm, I mean, they gotta they have to get not only, you know, people to operate it up to speed. They also have to have an infrastructure behind it for each specific brand. That's right. Um, so I was talking to a former student of mine who uh, works for European Command. And we were having this exact discussion. He said, look, Matt, he said, this is what people were worried about. But he said, they've just decided that what's going to happen now is we're going to give them the Abrams and they're going to drive them to the ground. When they break, they break. But they're going to be able to do what they want to do. That's the hope before that happens. But I mean, also, the Ukrainians have been brilliant in, in mastering these different systems and stitching them together. And the, the background on this is battalion-level units, 500 soldiers, have been training in Germany for a while, and they're flowing back into, the, into, the, into the, the theater now. And that's actually the timetable that's driving all of this. It's not the arrival of the tanks. It's the fact that Ukraine can now fight in combined arms um, at that level strength, at a battalion-level strength. And that is going to hurt the Russians bad. Hmm. We're talking with Professor Matthew Schmidt from the University of New Haven here on Brian and Company and WTIC News Talk 1080. The other premise I sort of pushed, pushed on Senator Blumenthal was... You know, is this enough to move the needle in favor of Ukraine? And, you know, when he compared it to the beginning of the conflict, the answer is yes. But when you compare it to five, six months ago, it seems like it just sort of maintains, which is an awful carnage for the people there. I mean, is, is that your view as well? I'm not sure. Uh, we have to be careful to prognosticate too much in warfare because it's cause which reminds us it's the realm of chaos. Yeah. Um, it can turn on a dime, uh, and, and we don't know exactly why that would happen. Uh, my guess is that this is going to... The Ukrainians are, are winning on the ground. They're winning in the battle space. But the war is not in their favor yet because they're fighting time, and they're fighting the economic impact of Russian attacks. Russia doesn't have to win anymore in order to win. They just have to drag this thing out long enough that uh, that the Ukrainian economy continues to tank and Western political support starts to break up. Right. Well, I mean, and that's their strategy right now. Yeah, I mean, that's what I, you know, are you still communicating with any uh, anyone in country? Yes. Yeah, and so what, what my biggest th- thing is like morale, infrastructure and manpower. Like, I, I mean, I know there was a huge, you know, amount of people who fled the country, but how are they in terms of people available to fight and you know how is the spirit we hear so much about it but i'm curious since you're talking to people on the ground they're you know the, the ukrainians that i talk to are are they're 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 grateful and cynical about western support they are assuming it's not going to last they're taking advantage of it as long as it will last and they're absolutely in this fight all the way i have not heard a single ukrainian i've talked to that said something like well it's okay we'll 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 negotiate away crimea I'm not sure if I think that that's realistic, but that's what everybody is saying. They are in this all the way. They want every inch of Ukrainian territory back to the, the pre-2014 uh, pre, uh, borders. And, and, you know, as far as manpower, these, these things are pretty well kept quiet. But my best guess is they probably have about half a million uh, people under arms right now. That doesn't count Grandma, who's got a shotgun in case the Russians come in Kiev again. But, uh, you know, those are those are uniformed soldiers from, from an attrition standpoint. Do they have enough young men and women maturing compared to the, the amount of men and women they lose either by by fleeing or by death? That's part of the reason that we're doing these, these uh, this training to do combined arm maneuver. The truth is, is that the Ukrainians have been fighting 
a semi-Soviet-style artillery duel battle, um, sort of like strategy with the Russians, and the Russians have been fighting a completely artillery battle. Um, and, and there's a lot of attrition on both sides, as we've heard. Uh, but what's going to happen with the combined arms maneuvers is when the Ukrainians figure out how to do this, they're going to lose a lot less because they're moving. They're not sitting stationary. And the whole point of what's going to happen with those tanks is those tanks are a tool to get infantry, mechanized infantry, mounted infantry, in the rear of Russian lines. And then those Russians have to turn around and deal with the people behind them, and that's when you pull them back closer to their borders. My last question for you, Professor, this is great stuff. I mean, I just learned so much. How has the weather been? I mean, there was such fear. We have such a mild winter here, so I don't have any idea what it's like there. But there's such fear of uh, winter of despair. Now, we're certainly not through it. February and even parts of March, March can be brutal. But how has it been? It's been like New England, uh, basically. And that's, in fact, roughly where it is. It's sort of like Boston, uh, Kiev is. So it's not, as, it's not as cold as people have uh, you know, this myth in their minds especially, you know, these World War II stereotypes. Um, so they're able to operate. And I don't really think that that's much of an issue at all on the battlefield. Hmm. Well, that's a trope that we've been pushing. Uh, that's interesting. Um, it's 31 degrees, feels like 24 today in Kiev. Uh, Professor, anything else that we haven't touched on that, that's important for people to hear? I think that, you're, that the timetable is being driven by the training uh, of these large units coming out of Germany and elsewhere. Um, those tanks are going to match up with them in a matter of weeks, not in a matter of months. They've been pre-staged, and this thing has been in, in the works uh, for November. The, the, that is, the troops on the ground at Yukon have been preparing for the potentiality of a, of a political decision to send the, the tanks. And so uh, I think you're going to see hostilities pick up real fast because Ukraine, like I said, has to move. I think you're talking you know, 30 to 60 days um, when you see a major offensive take off. All right, Professor. Thank you so much. As always, just we appreciate the time. Thank you. No worries, Brian. Take care. All right, Professor Matthew Schmidt joining us here on Brian and Company. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.